Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Failure, especially in this world of marketing, should be part of your DNA. You shouldn't be afraid to fail because when you fail, you if you make a, don't make a mistake, you're never going to learn. If you fail, you fail fast, right? And let's start taking some calculated risks. So we run you know, hundreds and thousands of experiments when it comes to marketing, but many of them don't work. And it's okay if they don't work. What have we learned and how do we refine it? So we've got a mantra within the team of test, learn, and modify. And that's something that I encourage my leadership uh, to, to implement. Hi, everyone. You're listening to The Females, a podcast from Career Contessa that deep dives into the world of women, work, and what it takes to build a successful and fulfilling career on your terms. This season of The Females will explore the world of meltdowns and comebacks. I'm Lauren McGoodwin, CEO of Career Contessa and the host of The Females. Today's guest is Aditi Javari Kokle, the first chief marketing officer for Northwestern Mutual a mother, and a very interesting woman who's worked hard to overcome her underdog position at work to become a female role model we can all look up to. In addition to working hard and making proactive career choices, Aditi's also mastered the art of a career transition, something I know many of you listeners probably have on your minds. She's worked in industries like management consulting, technology, nutrition, finance, and even took a career break to raise her son. When it comes to the secret to making a career transition as seamless as possible, Aditi says it's all about chasing problems that will be interesting to solve. If you've ever wondered how you can do it all and still build a career full of interesting roles, great colleagues, and be the type of leader whose motto is failure should be part of your DNA, then Aditi's story will really resonate with you. Plus, Aditi's about to school all of us on what exactly digital marketing really means in 2018, which is fascinating, even if you might think otherwise. Promise. Now let's dive in. Let's start at the beginning. What did you study in school and what career did you pursue right out of college? So um, I um, got a bachelor's of science at the Massachusetts Institute of Technology, which is known as MIT. Um, And then I also did my MBA from MIT's uh, Sloan School of Management. And what career did you pursue at a college? So very early on in my career, Lauren, I did not know what I wanted to do. Uh, But at that time, and I'm not going to age myself, there were sort of two very 
sought after professions. One was either management consulting or the second one was investment banking. And so I chose to get into management consulting with Booz Allen and Hamilton, um, also because I wasn't sure you know, what I wanted to do over the next five or ten years. And management consulting gave me sort of a good foundation and a glimpse into various industries. Um, so that's where I started my career. And I guess that's pretty common for people who uh, pursue an MBA, right? It seems like consulting is a really, I don't want to say safe bet, but it allows you to have a lot of interaction with a lot of different departments that way. That way, that's right. At that time, it really did. I was, um, you know, within within consulting, um, I sort of specialized in media and entertainment consulting. So I had very fun clients, um, you know, ranging from theme park, um, to uh, studios, and so it was a fun sort of entry point. Um, and there was a certain at that point there was a certain sort of um, uh, set of people who did focus on those two professions. Now, of course, things have changed dramatically. Yeah, I was going to ask too. What was what was marketing like when you first graduated college? I mean, I would imagine obviously it's transitioned a lot with the you know the rise of digital. But um, when you were graduating and even from your MBA graduate, I mean, was marketing kind of an option? Was it a, something you were interested in, or how did that introduction kind of first start? No, so so marketing was not really something that I was even considering uh, because, uh, you know, at that point, I really wanted to figure out uh, more in terms of, uh, you know, which industry did I want to get into. Um, and I really was trying to explore sort of who I am as a person and where my strengths are. But that marketing was also what I call traditional marketing was all around brand building and building brand awareness um, and less so on the analytical and the data side, which it is today. Mm-hmm. So I really got into marketing um, over the last, I would say, 10, 10 15 years. Um, but early on, I was focused much more around strategy consulting, go-to-market strategies, um, you know, large sort of business model problems versus marketing specifically. Mm-hmm. And I, I would love for you, um, I mean, we're going to talk a lot more about your your role now in digital marketing, but for those of us, me included, who you know probably thought uh, that marketing careers uh, were you know commercials and madmen style advertising, can you tell us what exactly digital marketing is today and, and what you love about the field? I know you kind of mentioned a little bit about the analytics piece of it, but you know, just for those of us who are like still thinking thinking it's about brand building and creative. Yeah, so um, so digital marketing, you know, simply put, is the marketing of products and services through digital channels such as search engines, website marketing, social media, mobile marketing, email marketing. Those are all the digital channels, right? Mm-hmm. So what are non-digital channels, so to speak, are television, print, uh, direct mail, considered non-digital. So digital marketing is about, you know, marketing your products and services through digital channels. And what I love about this field uh, now, uh, and what's exciting, again, is the fact that marketing today is not just about the creative, that's one aspect to it, but it's also from a digital perspective, it's highly analytical and data-driven. So what I'm able to do is, you know, use my creative side 
and then what I call my geeky analytical side, uh, left brain, right brain. And so that's what gets me so excited about the field today. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's a that was a great definition of digital marketing because I remember when I was in college, I was going to be a teacher. And then I decided midway through I wasn't going to be a teacher anymore. And I just picked marketing. And I swear I picked it because it sounded good. I had no idea <laughs> that it was analytical. And I, I it's interesting because when people ask me today, I'm like, well, if you're a marketing, if you want to get into marketing, you should love numbers and, and data and things like that. So it, that was a great definition. And now we've, we've cleared any, you know, confusion over what it is. Um, so you've had a, a really amazing career. I know you started in management consulting, but you know, from there you worked at a number of companies from American Express to Shutterstock to Nutrisystem. Um, I thought it was really interesting that you even co-founded your own online web design and marketing company. So I, mm -hmm. one of the most popular questions we get at Career Contessa is about career transitions. And what I'm yeah. sort of curious about, how have you been so successful at transitioning to totally different industries and obviously adapting your skill set in marketing as you, as you went along? Can you kind of walk us through how all that happened? Sure. So, so this comes back to sort of who I am as a person. And so, you know, when I, when I started the conversation with you, Laura, and I talked about why I wanted to get into management consulting, because I really wasn't sure which specific industry I wanted to align myself with, right? Mm -hmm. And as I went about management consulting, I sort of found that what I really like doing is solving complex problems, irrespective of the industry, whether it's a transformation whether it's a turnaround, whether it's a new market entry strategy. Uh, that was the part in consulting that I really, really enjoyed. What I also learned with, with my time in consulting uh, and me as a person is I'm very, I'm very good at quickly coming up to speed within the first 30 to 45 days and learning, out, uh, learning about the industry. Um, so what I wanted to do was um, work with companies and, and go for jobs where I could solve some of these complex problems regardless of the industry. So if you see sort of my career map, I started at Booz Allen. I then went to American Express. Within American Express, I had a variety of roles, right from working in membership rewards to working on the consumer card to actually running their insurance business for them, um, then moved to Travelocity. But in each of those roles, what was exciting to me was the problem that I was going to solve. Uh, for the first, I would say, 10 years of my career, that problem uh, was either a technology issue, a digital product issue. Um, and then later on, I started gravitating more towards marketing because I got this sort of the analytical and the creative side. So I started taking marketing roles within, within different industries. And when you were picking these roles, I mean, were you actively applying or were you at a point in your career where they were coming to you? I'm just kind of curious because, you know, when you're kind of thinking about how to position yourself, uh, yep. you know, I'm, I'm just sort of thinking, did you actively go after that and apply for the jobs or did they come to you? And then you were like, well, actually, this is what I'm thinking. And they they found the role for you. No, so I would say it has been a combination, but I have been very proactive in my career about the kinds of roles uh, I have gone after. Um, also because of the fact that, um, you know, I've always sort of played the role of the underdog in most of the, in, in most of my interviews. 
because I've gone after roles where I haven't necessarily had the classic sort of background, um, but I've, what I've brought to the table are my problem-solving skills. So the one thing I have done is I've been very proactive when I've, uh, when I've uh, identified roles. And of course, there have been times where the role has come to me. Even within that, Lauren, what I've done is made sure that the scope of that role fits what I want to deliver. Mm-hmm. Well, that's a great segue into our next question, which is, what is it like to be the first CMO, chief marketing officer for an established company like Northwestern Mutual, which, to be honest, I was shocked that they had never had a CMO before. But also, I want to add that you mentioned you're, you were the underdog, but you're American Indian and you're a woman. So those are already outliers in the financial services industry. So here you are, the first CMO, you're a woman, you're American Indian. I mean, what has it been like? Kind of, you know, the thrills, the highs, the lows, all of it. So um, it's been an exciting time for me to be part of Northwestern Mutual as their first CMO. Um, Northwestern Mutual, as you know, is a 160-year-old company um, and is the number one insurance company and financial planning company in the country. A little quick fact, um, I bought my first policy with Northwestern Mutual right after I got married. So I do feel like life has come full circle in terms of uh, being their first CMO. Um, what's exciting about why uh, they wanted this role as a CMO is because the company, they, we did have a marketing department, uh, but the company really values the power of marketing and wants to make sure there is a leader and a leadership team and a team that is really, uh, really has a seat at the table and becomes a strategic road driver for the company. So um, it's been exciting. To your second point in terms of being a woman, um, and an American Indian, um, you know, I've worked within financial services. I've worked in companies where I have probably been the only uh, woman leader. I think we've come a long way uh, within the industry and the country in general in terms of women leaders. Um, I myself, uh, 90% of my team is women. Um, and, and from a diversity perspective, I really appreciate it, not just being an American Indian, but um, diversity of within the role is so important in, in the way um, uh, you know, uh, business growth is driven in the future. So I, I think there are some exciting times ahead for us. Absolutely. And Absolutely. I always think it's interesting mm-hmm. when companies you know, maybe their marketing departments don't have a lot of women, but they realize that, you know, 50% of their consumers are women. So, um, you know, it, it is an interesting time, but also just to be a female leader, at, you know, an established company like Northwestern Mutual means that you get to also um, be a role model. And I'm, I'm kind of curious, have you felt like you're a role model for female leadership? Um, you know, I, I I do feel I have been a role model again. I've been in the role fairly recently. Uh, but, you know, I think one of the things uh, outside of, of course, you know, my formal mentoring relationships that I have, I think being a female role model is just sort of bringing your whole authentic self um, on a day-to-day basis. Um, and one of the things I've tried to do within my role and within my team is, you know, I'm proud to be uh, a mom. Um, I have an 11-year-old boy. I'm proud to um, uh, be a wife. And so, uh, you know, it's something that I'm very open and transparent about um, uh, with my team and with my leaders. Um, and so, I, you know, I, I'm, I'm trying to make sure I'm inspiring other women within the company with some of the work that we're doing. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And, and it seems like, 
I think it would be safe to say that you're not afraid to take risk and try something new. Obviously, your career path, you know, with the variety of industries and even having your own company for a little bit proves that. Um, yep. But, you know, the theme of the season is meltdowns and comebacks. So I have to ask, tell, <laughs> tell us about a time when you pitched an idea and maybe it was rejected or it failed or just when you just how do you recover from setbacks and moments of self-doubt? Because we all have them, whether you're, you know, the leader or you're just starting out? So, so one of the things as a leader I have been very vocal about um, uh, to my team and also to my peers is that uh, failure, especially in this world of marketing, should be part of your DNA. You shouldn't be afraid to fail because when you fail, you if you make a, don't make a mistake, you're never going to learn. Uh, what I tell my team is to, if you fail, you fail fast, right? Mm-hmm. And let's start taking some calculated risks. So we run, you know, hundreds and thousands of experiments when it comes to marketing, but many of them don't work. And it's okay if they don't work. What have we learned and how do we refine it? So we've got a mantra within the team of test, learn, and modify. And that's something that I encourage my leadership uh, to, to implement. I, I think that's, no. I mean, I think yeah, that's really ahead. great, but I also think that's unique. I think there are a lot of teams and departments out there where, you know, the pressure is, you know, there's so much pressure to perform and to right. meet the goals that when you right. say, you know, fail fast, it's like, but you, maybe you spent a hundred thousand dollars and it was a complete failure. I mean, is that ever, you know, is it tough to take those failures or those moments, even if they're learning moments and you, you know, they're positive in that way, is it tough to right. kind of like sit down with, you know, maybe the executives and the leadership team and be like, so <laughs> we ran some experiments and it cost us $10 million or whatever it is. But like, is that ever a tough pill to swallow? No, I think that's where I talk about making, uh, taking calculated risks, right? So one example I can give you is um, in, in this new world of marketing within Northwestern Mutual, we're not about just building brand awareness, but it is brand awareness and activation. And what I mean by that is as a CMO and my team, we're all about building out experiences end to end whether it's from a traditional perspective for the customer or digital perspective. So one example that comes to mind is when we were building out um, a customer acquisition sort of experience, we identified customers, we created an entire marketing funnel, and it didn't work. We had a hypothesis, and it didn't work. And so we learned it didn't work because we had no customers. People were bouncing off the, the, the digital experience. So we very quickly figured out what is it that's working, what is it that's not working. This is where I say like the data plays a very important role. Um, And we pivoted and we changed it. And yes, I had to go and tell my leaders, but it was a calculated risk. We had a hypothesis, we learned from it, and we we improved on it. Mm -hmm. I I like it too, because I feel like one of the ways that you might manage self-doubt is with data, you know, and it's, we live in a very data-driven world. And, um, you know, a question we'll get a lot is, well, how can you feel more confident? And it's like, well, go into that meeting and know every single thing about the topic. If you know your facts down, you know, down hard and everything, you, you feel like you're the expert about something, you'll be able to have that data to, to, um, back it up. And so sometimes I think confidence and overcoming self-doubt is really just knowing your numbers, knowing, knowing the ins and outs of something. I mean, would you agree with that? 
I would absolutely 100% agree with that. And that is something that uh, I, I as, a, as a person, that's how I operate. I think this is my years at MIT uh, in terms of the foundation, um, you know, prove your, uh, prove your work through data. Um, and facts cannot be disputed, right, right? Right. And the reason why it's even more important in marketing is because I, I kind of joke about this that you know there are certain professions that everybody feels they know. One is everybody thinks they are great writers, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, sometimes, and everybody thinks they're great marketers, and and so um, people have uh, you know subjective opinions about commercials or about uh, building out experiences. And the best way to prove uh, your work is through data. Absolutely. So with your career, you know, you don't have that classic marketing background. You know, you didn't study it. You weren't, you know, um, as you you mentioned, you started off in consulting. I guess I have kind of two questions because even though you don't have this quote unquote classic marketing background, you're still a CMO. So one is you know, if someone wanted to pursue marketing, what would you tell them to study or start? What skills should they learn? Um, So that's the first part of my question. And then the second part of my question is, what advice do you have for women who might experience pushback in their own careers because they don't have this quote unquote right background, degree, number of experience, you know, they've worked for the right company, you know, like what, what's your advice for them as well? Yeah, so as far as sort of, um, you know, I, um, I I think the advice to your first question about for those who want to pursue a career in marketing, um, I feel like there are certain, you know, when I'm interviewing candidates, uh, there are certain jobs where you will require a certain skill set or an expertise, right? So if you want to do digital marketing, I would, uh, I would uh, uh, you know, want somebody to at least have a basic background around digital marketing, right? So those are sort of the table stakes basics that you need to have applying for a job. But I think what what I value more as I think about um, people want to go into marketing and when I'm recruiting people, uh, it's more around the other skill sets. It's around things like um, grit. It's around perseverance. It's around how do you build relationships around influence management, around storytelling. There are these other skills that make a person and individual unique in addition to having basic marketing skills that I value as a leader. Mm -hmm. That's your first question. And I think to your second question about, uh, you know, women who might experience pushback in their careers, uh, you know, I have said this, and this is just me personally having lived my life. I did not at the age of 21 uh, take a little piece of paper and say, I want to do this, and then in three years I want to do that, and then I'm going to be here. I sort of followed my passion went after the roles that I thought I could do a good job and I could learn a lot. Um, and, uh, you know, I was the underdog and I went and proved my case. And so for those who feel that they have self-doubt or get pushback, I think you've got to follow your dreams and your passion. And, um, and you know, it all works out. Yeah. And kind of keep speaking up, keep pushing for it. Even if one door closes, try a different door. And, and as you said, right. perseverance and grit. Um, right. Mm-hmm, absolutely. For me, I think it's more, you know, I, I feel when it comes to my career and managing my career, I have been more, uh, you know, I've, and this is the advice I've given all women, you know, be very proactive and own your career, but own your career in terms of the passion and, 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 and the interest. 
not so much around the title and the compensation because all of that falls into place mm-hmm. at the end. I would I would agree with that. And I I mean, speaking of compensation, uh, this is kind of a, a different talk about money. But I I heard that you guys uh, Northwestern Mutual did some um, research and they found that women make 51 percent of the financial decisions in a ho- household. Uh, so <laughs> even if we're not always paid equal, <laughs> we're definitely the ones managing the money here. Um, it, but it, I thought it was interesting because you said 51% of women uh, make the financial decisions in the household and yet financial services and and really other industries as well still market in a more masculine way. Um, And you have recognized, you and your team have recognized an opportunity to really create marketing that talks to women and yield results by talking to women. So I find that really fascinating because it seems kind of interesting that there's a strategy that's like talk to women, but specifically, why do you think women are a gap in the industry? And and like, where did we, where did we get lost in that <laughs> shuffle somewhere? So, um, yeah, when we, um, when I took over the role uh, last year, and I, as I was thinking about sort of how do we evolve the, the Northwestern Mutual brand, and what should our campaign uh, be as we go to market? Uh, one of the things we realized is women are hugely underserved or over- overlooked uh, within the financial services category. Um, this was very clear when we analyzed the content of marketing. Uh, there wasn't sort of an emotional connection. We did a focus group. Um, and in addition to the study that you mentioned, we did our focus groups as we were thinking about our new campaign. And 71% of women in our focus group said that financial firms are not in touch with my, with my needs or my concerns, and they're not connecting with me. Now, if you think about financial planning and finances, this is a highly emotional category. And if you think about women, they sort of play the role of daily money managers in their relationships. But women, I what we also realized was there was a difference in the way women thought about money or reacted to money than men. There was always this overt tension that they're constantly aware of and stressed by. Um, they're always faced with this want versus need kind of um, tension. So, so we, we identified that insight and we felt that we wanted to be the company that will connect with women in a more meaningful way. When I say meaningful way, we clearly, you know, right from our, it's all end-to-end marketing, right from our television commercial, we had a woman uh, in, in our, one of our commercials who is working in an architectural company and really is, is not, you know, her, her, her boss, her leader is not seeing the value she brings in. And so she quits her job and she's betting on herself and she starts a business. Uh, with the help and the, uh, the, the, the support of a Northwestern Mutual Advisor. To uh, content where we have created first-person content through the lens of women, uh, and that's been resonating too. So, so clearly we saw uh, an opportunity, um, and we felt that we wanted to be that company that would connect with women. And I'm curious too, I mean, I don't have children, but I, it's something I think about is the cost of, 
you know, having kids, working, uh, the financial costs as well as, you know, like the emotional and mental costs that come with that. But I'm, you know, is that something that you guys are trying to create content around is, I mean, I just saw an article in uh, the New York Times and it was talking about the cost of motherhood are rising and they're really catching women off guard. I mean, is this like, <laughs> like, should we been, should I've been thinking about this like 10 years ago or what am I, am I stuck? Yeah. So, and that's, a, that's a very interesting point, Lauren, the kind of content we are de- developing uh, again, because financial planning, there's a high correlation in between the life stage you are in. And when you think about financial planning, so what I mean by life stage is whether you're getting married, whether you're starting a family, whether you're buying your first home, whether you're switching careers, right? And so we are creating content which is personalized and, and really simplified uh, uh, that, is, that is really resonating with women across different life stages. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I, I liked your advice about uh, women being proactive with their careers. And, you know, I think a big part of that is also careers and money intertwine so much. We found that at Career Contessa also, you know, when we write career content, it's popular. But when yep. we write money content, it's also really popular. And I, it makes natural sense for those to intertwine. Um, so, you know, when it comes to being proactive for your career, that also your advice is probably also like you should be proactive with your, your finances. So I'm kind of curious, what would be your best advice for women when it comes to number one, their career two their financial health and three life slash family? Because you obviously have a family as well. So you, you, you are doing all three of these pieces. Yeah, so I'll, I'll start with career first, right? So I've talked about how we want to, how I personally uh, have been very proactive about the kind of roles uh, that I've taken, and I do feel that my life experiences uh, have have shaped me as a person. You know, I, I've I've come from a middle class progressive family where uh, women, especially. Uh, were were encouraged to have a career. There was education and, and the arts, and my parents have been very supportive of that. So I think that has played a very important role in, in my life. Um, the other thing about career is uh, it's not about just getting the job. It is also performing at the job. And I, I typically say that there are three things that have really helped me uh, with, with my career. I've, I've worked harder and smarter, I believe, uh, than than the, than my peer group in the roles that I've taken, I have built relationships uh, across all levels. So it's not important just to build a relationship with your leader. It's as important to build relationships with your peers and with your team. And my third thing that I've mentioned before is I've proven my worth, so to speak, and my contribution through data. Mm-hmm. So that's the career advice I would give. Um, you know, around financial health. Um, as a, as, a, as a mom um, uh, of a child, I think there are two major uh, areas that are top of mind for me, right? One is health, and then the other is financial health. Um, and I think, you know, I, I really, truly live by uh, the campaign that we launched, which is uh, In Your Life Living. Um, it's not just important about focusing on retirement and your future, but really, one has to think about financial planning in terms of goal setting. What do I want to do in the next five years, 10 years, 15 years? And balancing your financial health both for the present and the future. Um, and we've seen that consistently come up as a theme through our consumer focus groups. 
uh, especially for women, where you know there's this tension about the want versus need. But I think really building uh, financial health is about the today and the future, not just about the future. And th- sometimes we deprive ourselves thinking about the today just because we want to focus on the future. And I think it's a balancing act. Mm-hmm. Do you think for women with uh, financial health, I mean, would it be, I know there's a lot of, you know, fintech, so financial technology companies, is that a good place for us to start? Do, you know, would you recommend that people find a financial advisor? I think that's something that even with all the money content we have on Career Contessa, sometimes, you know, the digital is so helpful because it's convenient, but it also feels like, if you don't, I guess what I'm asking is like, if you don't know where to start with your financial health and, or, you know, getting all that in order, what would be a good first step? Like, do you go talk to someone or do you read a bunch of articles online and, and start there? So, so, so I, I, I hate to say this and I'm not going to, don't take this as a plug for my company, but I started with meeting a financial advisor at Northwestern Mutual when I was 25 years old, right? Mm-hmm. You can, you can read up on this stuff. And again, there is this, again, this, 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 uh, um, this myth that you know you need to have a lot of money to speak to a financial advisor that is absolutely untrue so what i would suggest is um you know meet with an advisor and meeting with an advisor is because and again at northwestern mutual the reason why 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 i so appreciate my own advisor who i've had now for 20 plus years is because it's not just about the investment side of the business it's also about protecting your income and the insurance side of your business right i would say that would be your starting point get a financial plan just a basic plan. You don't have to buy products and services. Just get a basic financial plan that does some goal setting for you and then figure out how do you try to achieve those goals through your financial plan. Yeah. No, I think that's great advice to, to kind of get rid of the myth of you don't need to have a ton of money. So if you're 22 and you feel like you're living paycheck to paycheck, and I know we've talked about this at Career Contessa, you can still get, a, as you mentioned, you can still get a plan together to potentially pay off your debt and then move on to, to saving, even if it's you know $10 a month. I think a lot of that is <laughs> is habits also. Um yeah, so and then let's let's hear your best advice for women when it comes to life and family. So life and family, right? So for me, again, I think uh, balance um, is, is what you make of it. Um, and so again, I have to ask myself, what gives me sort of inner peace and happiness? Uh, and how do I balance my life? And, you know, there's this, you know, I've heard people saying, you know, I want to go after nine to five jobs. All right. And for me, that's not the definition of balance. So for me, balance was I want to make sure I felt really proud of, of, of my career. Personally, I didn't care about what people thought, but I felt like I was contributing something. I also want to be a, a very hands-on mom. Um, I want to be um, somebody who is connected with friends and family. So for me, balance is what you make of it, and I try to make sure um, I'm equally weighting those three aspects of my life as I go about my life journey. Mm-hmm. So I think that is what, and it's, 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 it's not easy, right? You've got to constantly sort of make sure and be mindful of it. Um, but I feel that one has to be open and honest about what makes them happy, because I always say your career is not a sprint, it's a marathon. Mm-hmm. If it's a marathon, you've got to figure out how do you get these other aspects of your life also well balanced so that you can actually get through the marathon. Mm-hmm. I'm kind of curious too. This is, I guess, a wild card question, but what are your thoughts or opinions on career breaks? Because a lot of women, especially after they have children, when they have young children, um, 
you know, they're more likely to take a career break than a man. Um, you know, financially, obviously there's probably some repercussions for that, but what are, I mean, like if somebody were to interview for a job at Northwestern mutual and they had had a career break and they wanted to get back into it, like, I guess there's two sides of this question. How is that viewed from like an employer standpoint and kind of overall Mm -hmm. professionally, but also, uh, do you like, what are your thoughts? Did you take a career break or anything like that? I did. So, um, so I think I think um, I would say a career break should be viewed very positively. Coming back to it's you know there are three aspects of your life, um, and all have to work. And as I mentioned before, when I'm interviewing a candidate, I'm not looking at you know uh, the resume per se. I'm really looking at having a conversation and figuring out what's unique to this individual. Do they have the the skill sets that I talked about, perseverance, hard work, building relationships? To me, those those aspects are as valuable as, you know, know, having the exact skill set for the role. Mm -hmm. I always balance it out, and it really depends on the individual. Um, You know, I I, uh, was at American Express, and um, I was pregnant with my uh, my son. And uh, after I um, had my son, I was, it was a very difficult decision because I did not want to leave him. And so I let American Express know that I'm not coming back. And I was a stay-at-home mom uh, for a little bit. And that's where I actually started to co-found the company, Iquantai. So I did take a career break. Um, was I nervous at that point? Absolutely. That's a natural reaction. But you've got to believe in yourself, and you've got to believe that you can uh, you can you can um, get that next role. Um, and I feel career breaks are something if you need it, you absolutely should take it. And if you have a good story to tell in terms of the why, I think that our most employers are going to be very welcoming about it. Well, I can guarantee that you've made a lot of people listening to this very happy because I think ultimatums don't make anyone happy and sometimes I think for women especially the message comes across like it's an ultimatum you you either have to be all in with your career or all in with your family and sometimes it doesn't feel like you should get to have that choice but you know it's 2018 we should absolutely have every type of choice so um, you've probably made many people happy to know that you can take a career break and still become a CMO <laughs> so that's that's <laughs> really great um, okay so I have two last questions for you um, yeah. again going back Back to our theme, which is about meltdowns and comebacks and breakthroughs, which you clearly are the career transition uh, queen here. Um, if you could rename, you know, bad day, failure, meltdown, uh, that word, if you could rename it, what would you call it? So I know this sounds cliched, right? But a meltdown, failure, to me, I really see that as, as an opportunity to learn something. Um, and failure is going to happen, Lauren. I mean, it's regardless. You, you, that's the only way you learn, right? Uh, no one's perfect. No business is perfect. And so for me, it just it, you just have to think about it differently and think about it as an opportunity. So I think that would be the renaming of it. Yeah, and I think you, you kind of touched on it a little bit about vulnerability, you know, being willing to try something and, you know, take the risk of if it doesn't work, you know, you have – you were also kind of having to put that out there, not just to accept the failure, but be vulnerable enough to know that the failure is, you know, likely or it could happen. Um, 
So my last question is what's next for you and your career? And I know you, you've just, you know, you recently are in this role. So this is probably one of those questions where it would have been appropriate to ask you last year, but um, I'm so (laughs) curious uh, what is next for you and your team and what you guys are working on to build and kind of the future of marketing as well. Yeah. So I think, um, you know, I'm really focused right now on my current role. I feel like we have, so much opportunity ahead of us, especially with our campaign that we launched um, uh, late last year. We have had some stellar results with Spend Your Life Living, and we haven't really even amplified the campaign through many of the channels. So there's more work to be done there, more opportunities there. Um, and then, you know, I'm, I'm now I'm part of the uh, company senior leadership team, so I get to uh, really work on uh, both my my day job, which is as CMO, but I also get to influence the company strategy. So I think uh, that's keeping me pretty busy right now. Yes, it sounds like you've got your hands full. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. And um, I would love for you to tell the listeners where they can connect with you or, you know, if if you post often they, where they can follow you to kind of follow this journey you're on. Yeah, um, so you can absolutely connect with me on LinkedIn um, and, uh, you know, message me if you have any questions. Um, I really, really appreciate, Lauren, you inviting me today. I thoroughly enjoyed our conversation and um, keep me posted on how things go. Thank you so much. That was Aditi Javari Kokle, the first chief marketing officer for Northwestern Mutual. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Females. For more interviews and career advice from incredible women, check out careercontessa.com. We also offer other great resources like career coaching, a curated jobs board, profiles on female supportive companies, and on-demand career courses in our e-learning library. Seriously, we're a one-stop shop for your career success. And if you're looking to figure out what your next career move should be, we have a downloadable worksheet that will help you do just that. It's free and you can find the link in the show notes. If you enjoyed today's show, please subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. And I would be so grateful if you could rate us and review us. It's really helpful and valuable to see what you like about the show. Plus, we'll send you all the good karma vibes in return. And don't forget, we're super social over on our Instagram channel, at Career Contessa. And we'd love your help spreading the word about this podcast by mentioning it on your social media channels with hashtag the females podcast. And don't miss next week's episode with Jennifer Romolini, author of the career book, Weird in a World That's Not, and previously the chief content officer at Shondaland and editor-in-chief at Hello Giggles. There are these few defining moments in your life, and they're, they're not usually what you think they're going to be. And for me... The build up of, I'm in this really unhappy marriage. I'm really young. I'm at this point, I think 24 and I have nothing. I have no education. I have no marketable skills. I have no money. I'm dependent on this person who I don't love anymore. And I was so scared. And so the courage that it took to leave him and pursue a new life was one thing. Then when the car broke down in the driveway and it was winter and I was just sitting in that car and I just thought, this can never, ever happen to me again.